And I think of people who experience trauma as really more able, more positioned to get to these places, you know, than people who don't experience trauma because our life has literally called us to, you know? And so, yeah, I think I think of trauma survivors as really just really gifted in that way. If they have the ability to shift their view of their trauma, you know, and really be empowered by understanding how the overcoming of it, all the gifts, all the beauty and the overcoming of it, it's like you learn your superpower when you do that. It's so powerful. It was so, I mean, it changed my life. It changed my life. Welcome back to the Empath and Narcissist podcast, Spiritual Healing with Human Design, Spirituality from Trauma and Narcissistic Abuse. Here we are empowering empaths into their power and authentic self with human design after narcissistic abuse. It is here as a tool to help you bust out of the prison of narcissistic abuse, of being a victim from narcissistic abuse, and it allows you to be the architect for your own joy and peace in your life. Subscribe now. In the realm of recognizing and overcoming assault, our narrative unfolds into a tapestry woven with threads of recognition, resilience, and extraordinary magic of spiritual healing. Join us today as we venture into the depths of this transformative journey where the wounds of the past are met with the alchemy of spiritual modalities. In this exploration, my guest, Ebony, and I, we discuss healing trauma intuitively, spiritual practices, and a connection between the physical and the non-physical self. When I was recovering personally from my abuse in my relationship with, yes, you can have sexual abuse in a consensual relationship. I did not Aziz Ansari him during hashtag me too. My therapist did recognize that that was the type of abuse that I was experiencing from all the things that I described to her. So let's just put that myth behind us. If you are in a committed relationship, that does not mean that there is no abuse happening. And what's really interesting about this conversation with Ebony is that connection between your physical body and your non-physical body because I felt as I was going through that healing process and, and well, I guess not even healing, but right as I left that PTSD experience that I had, it was like my body was being stretched like a rubber band. Like there was a visceral feeling of my aura and my non-physical body, like being pushed and pulled, contracted and then stretched and pulled. And it was a really bizarre experience. And so I'm really excited to share with you this conversation because we talked just about that, about our other senses in our body after we've experienced a trauma. Ebony Banks, our guest today, she's an inspiration that serves others when she began as a child while spending time in her dad's office and observing his healing work. And she's an intuitive healer and author who has been aware of her intuition since childhood. She's from a lineage of healers and wellness practitioners on both sides of her family, 
Ebony's maternal great-grandmother read palms, like on your hand, palm reading, for a living in 1940s. Her late father was a social worker and hypnotherapist who owned and operated a private practice and mental health clinic. As a trauma survivor, Ebony's has learned to use her wealth of inner spiritual resources to thrive on her own healing journey and is now inspired to teach people how to do the same, to access their intuition, to heal the stuck parts of their lives that prevent them from living their desired life. Ebony's main spiritual gift is clairtangency. In 2016, Ebony received the Osborne Elliott Award for Outstanding Community Service for a volunteer-led organization she founded, which taught people living in Brownsville, Brooklyn, about the importance of incorporating plant-based eating into their diet. Ebony considers herself a mystic and enjoys exploring the balance of physical and non-physical life. You can find and connect with Ebony at ebonybanks.me. Welcome, Ebony. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk to you today. So, Ebony, share with us a bit about your story as a trauma survivor. Is it specifically narcissistic? Is it other trauma? I'd love to get to know a little bit more. Sure. No, it's not narcissistic at all. It's other trauma. I'm a sexual mm-hmm. assault survivor. And so, yeah. So, and, and I credit my intuition with my ability to heal myself mm-hmm. because I repressed it for many years. You know, I've been highly intuitive since I was a child and was aware that I, you know, knew things people didn't tell me necessarily because I'm, it's, I'm, yeah. And I just didn't really know the word intuitive as a child. I didn't know what to call it. So it wasn't until much later that all of it just, made I sense. just know things like things come to me and I don't know why. Right. <laughs> yes. It can be scary as a child. I'm, Absolutely. Like, is this normal? Am I weird? What's going on? Yes, absolutely. All those thoughts. I had all those thoughts. And, you know, I didn't tell anyone until I was nearly in my 20s and met like-minded people. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay. But what's so interesting about my story too is that my maternal great-grandmother read Palms for a Living. And I didn't know this about her until Mm. I was in my 20s. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So my family would have understood, you know, because that's what she did for a living in the 1940s. (laughs) So... I feel like it is ancestral, like our abilities and talents are passed down weirdly enough through our bloodlines, even though like our soul isn't directly connected to our bloodline. It's just such a mind bending concept. Oh, that's but interesting. Yes. I, yes. That's, that's so correct in how I understand things too, but I've never thought about it like that. Yeah. Your soul can be connected to anything, but yeah, it's true. Cause I, I, I always think that my access to my intuition in the way that I have definitely has to do with the fact that my great-grandmother was a palm reader, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. was very good at it, you know, so. Yeah. And when did you discover that she was a palm reader? I was, it was just by happenstance at my grandmother's house with my mother and when I was in my 20s and they just mm-hmm. kind of said it like it was like not a thing. And I was like, excuse me, come again. <laughs> what? what did you just say? Because she transitioned when I was born, so I never knew her, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she, there aren't many pictures of her, and it's a great-grandmother, so a little more removed, you know, especially because yeah. she wasn't alive and I didn't meet her. So, yeah, yeah, it was kind of shocking to me to, to learn. And I wish I knew more about her because, you know, there are a few friends of hers that 
passed like in the last five years. And one of them in particular, I met at a funeral of another family member. And my mother was like, oh, she knows everything about her. Like she was her really good friend, but we lived in different cities. And by the time I connected with her, she was like ill and then she passed away. So mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, this opportunity. I know. And neither your grandmother or your mother really were into anything spiritual or intuitive. Well, they were, my my grandmother was a little bit. She was my grandfather is a Mason or was a Mason. They both transitioned, and my grandmother was an Eastern Star, I believe, is the female counterpart of of the Mason thing. I'm not really sure how all that works, but they were Masons. You know, they were in that world, and I have like pictures of them, like with their people and dress a particular way. So that's new yeah. to me. What is a Mason? Oh, Mason. So I'm not. I can't, I'm really not that well versed. <laughs> But it is a group of people that have a, you know, from what I understand, there are different types of Masons. So is this like related to Freemasons? I don't know. I don't even know that much about it, you know, but I do know that there are different types of Masons and some Mm -hmm. people think of them as being kind of nefarious group, you know, but from what I understand, just with the tiny bit that I know is that they really, they process things, you know, through like a sacred knowledge and, you know, they don't make, they don't talk about it or it's not like, you know, it's more, they keep it quiet and really private. And yeah. Yeah. So my grandfather was that and my grandmother was the female counterpart. And I remember as a kid, like them going to meetings and stuff, but I didn't, you know, I didn't know. And my mother is very much a Christian. So my immediate family, you know, all about Jesus, church and Sunday school Mm. as a kid, every Sunday. Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) We all have our unique path, no matter what our parents do, right? Absolutely. And I don't identify with being religious at all. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm definitely the spiritual, not religious category. Yes. Yes. So so you kind of already knew that you were intuitive and you kind of freaked you out, didn't know what it was. (laughs) And then this sexual assault, this trauma occurred. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sure you kind of went through your life. Like, was there an awakening moment? That kind of brought you to this, like, this happened and I have this power as well. Maybe they were two separate, but. Well, you know, it's funny that you connect the two because I connect the two too. You know, I think that my, my ability to heal myself intuitively all lives in how I process life spiritually, you know, and it was kind of a rolling thing and a rolling awareness that I was becoming, you know, more and more aware of over the course of several years. And it. It really came to me by, I was doing yoga, you know, and I was in my body in a different way. And I was doing lots of crystal therapy and really just exploring like my spiritual self in a way that I had not ever in my life. Mm. And so I think that definitely created the space for me, like energetically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, all the ways for me to really come to terms with this trauma that I needed to address. And I was on the phone with a friend one day and it literally just came out of my mouth. You just said what happened. I just like, said it. I just said it. I, yep. Yep. Well, how did they react? Well, we were talking about trauma because oh. he was sharing his trauma with me, you know, and this is a very close friend, like spiritual family, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. and we had these kind of conversations all the time and had been having them for years, you know, so that's that safe space was already there with this person. Mm-hmm. And so he was talking about his trauma and it just like it literally just came out of my mouth. And I met Dr. James Gordon, who is this Ivy League educated doctor that does work around healing. And 
I went to this workshop him and Dr. Oz had in New York City years ago about transformation, which was a book that he had just written, like one of many. And I asked him, like, how on earth did that happen? How did I just one day say it out of my mouth? And he said, his explanation was that the mind and the body are constantly having conversation and it's called a connatural conversation and it's happening all day, every day. And so the yoga and the meditation and all the things that I was doing to take care of myself created the environment for my mind and my body to have a more honest conversation with each other. And so I was able to accept that this horrible thing happened to me and I needed to like then go on. That's when the real healing started. Once I actually said it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Bringing it out into the light. Yes. And then you're like, now I need to like process this because it's just poured out. Yes. And and when all that's when all the real work started too. You know, I went to therapy. I had a past life regression. <laughs> what else did I do? I was doing Reiki. Like I was doing all the things you know, yeah. to make sure that I was mentally, spiritually, emotionally like good, you know? Yeah. And did... Did you have any like PTSD or any other triggers related to it? I mean, was this person like still in your life and you had to see them or it was like a one time thing? No, not at all. It was my friend's brother. Okay. And so what's funny is at the time I ended my relationship with her, mm-hmm. you know, over something really small and didn't hear from her again for like, for like 10 years. And she reached out to tell me about a mutual friend of ours who had passed away. She like found me somehow. But I didn't have PTSD, but, you know, it's interesting because I could remember every detail, you know, and, and oftentimes people connect repression to memory, which is kind of correct, but it's, it's different because it's subconscious, you know, and, and people think of it as suppression, which is conscious, you know, and suppression is, is typically something that we all do all the time. We hold back our tears. We don't want people to see me like we're doing it all the time. But repression is a subconscious, you know, protective mechanism. And so I remembered his smell. That was probably the strongest thing for me. I remembered his smell. And, and it was, this is years later, and it was like in my nose, you know? And so I was really grateful when I didn't remember the smell anymore. But in the beginning of like recalling all of this and like allowing myself to admit what happened to me, the smell was the thing that was like the Mm -hmm. ickiest and the most hard to process because it was in my nose. Like I couldn't get rid of it, you know? Yeah. And then over time, it just- How long did it stay in your nose? You know, I don't even remember. That's a good question. But over time- It It was enough that you were like, it was really bad. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I would- I would. I would recognize this smell, I think, if I smelled it today, but mm-hmm. I just remember noting that, oh, I don't smell him anymore. Mm. I don't smell him anymore. I think it was an indication of like a certain level of healing that I reached yeah. to. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And I'm just thinking through like, is that, because I know you talk a lot about the clairs, is that connected to any of the clairs? Is it a nervous system thing? Did you dive mm-hmm. into that? Or mm-hmm. you were just like, it is what it is. With the smell? Yeah, and, the smell. You know, I didn't I didn't dive into it. It was just the one thing that was so constant and so present with me and like icky for me, you know? Mm-hmm. But it it's kind of connects to the clairs in a sense because there is a clear sense that is clear smelling. The word clear, C-L-A-I-R, just means clear. And then the ending of the word, you know, tells you what it is. And so there is a clear smelling 
clairsense, which is clear olfactance, which is a really odd word. And for your audience in particular, because I know so many of your people are empaths, mm-hmm. I tend to think empaths, well, I guess I can say overall, I think everyone is clear something. That's just how I process it. I think it's impossible not to be, you know, it's just a matter mm-hmm. of, I think of intuition as levels, beginner, intermediate, and advanced. And, you know, once you get to that level, it's more of an advanced use of your intuition. But for people who call themselves empaths, I think that that's another way of saying that they're clairsentient. Hmm. Like having a beginner level experience of clairsentient, which is clear feeling. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're able to feel the emotions of people and you take that on, and especially if it's to the point where you then come out of your own emotional integrity and are like, crying if they're crying, you're sad if they're sad. That's an indication of a highly sensitive person. And highly sensitive people, I always like to share, it's a gift. I know it's a lot to manage, but it's such a gift because I think of that sensitivity as another form of intelligence that has information for us, which is how I connect it to intuition because I think intuition is just information. It's another way of our intelligent self getting information, you know? I agree. I agree. And I wonder if that was just like an information overload that you (laughs) had to like clear out and like heal, which I know a lot of us like we do after narcissistic abuse, I think, because we're in it for so long. Like it's not a one and done. It's like every day, all day. Oof. So once you're done and I actually particularly also was funny that you had mentioned the sexual assault sexually abused so my ptsd was like in my body it was like a rubber band like i i thought my rubber my body was a rubber band that's how it felt Mm. like pulling and pushing and that was you know Mm. i mean if you kind of describe it i was like you know supposed to be a gumby so it was such a weird like spin of how my body relate to the word the words that were being Wow. Yeah, like an overwhelm of senses. Yes, yes. And it has to come out to clean out. You can't just not feel it. Absolutely. And yeah. and it's, I'm so grateful that you mentioned the, how the body, you know, is incorporated into all of this because, you know, I learned from my experience with my yoga practice, you know, how much was in my body that I wasn't aware of. And as someone who's highly intuitive, how much I use my body to get information. You know, our body is a tool, it's such a powerful tool too, to get information that, and it's constantly communicating with us and how we show comfort or discomfort, you know, by how we may physically um, like constrict our, any part of our body, toes, shoulders, buttocks, whenever you're tightening up, you know, (laughs) versus being more open and more relaxed. Like that's a major form of communication that we're giving to ourselves So, you know, there are all these really nuanced things that I learned around how I was just naturally supporting me in in healing myself. Mm. That's beautiful. So what exactly does it mean to heal ourselves intuitively? Yes. So it really means expanding your awareness of yourself, you know, in all the ways, not just, you know, what you like, don't like, not if you want to go out, not go out, like really in the nuanced ways and really acknowledging all the ways that your body is is, is receiving information, you know, and, and paying attention to how your body specifically 
is communicating to you and what language you start to understand based on that communication. Mm. No, it's so powerful. It was so, I mean, it changed my life. It changed my life. And, and, you know, it's, again, it was rolling, you know, it was something that I was happening to me over the course of several years. And so for people who are starting to have this kind of awareness with themselves, you know, be patient and have empathy for yourself as you're learning. But really, it's just cultivating an expanded awareness of yourself in a way that we aren't taught to. You know, we're always thinking about our awareness of our intelligence or something more physical, but it's really about paying attention to your body and your energy and, and then being honest with yourself about how you're communicating with yourself non-verbally, you know? Mm. Does that make sense? So if someone's like always clenching their jaw, if Mm. they don't pause and recognize they are, then they're going to get like TMJ, locked jaw, and their dentist or the doctors are like, well, you need to like do this or fix this. But maybe also, I guess the and. Yes. It's just pausing and recognizing like, relax. And yes. why are you clenching? Like, do you dive deep into then asking yourself, why are you clenching that muscle? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the, it's, they're kind of layers of, of that awareness because okay. the first part is to become aware of what your body is physically telling you based on the, the jaw clench, right? And then it's like to stop for a second and just pause and notice that you're doing this thing and notice like what's happening in your environment that is causing you to do this thing. Is it a conversation? that you're having? Is it an energy that you're picking up? You know, like, what is it? Because it may be non-physical. That's You may be picking up on something non-physical as well as something physical. And then asking yourself the question, like, what is what is happening that is, why am I responding this way? And then continuing to pay that kind of attention to yourself to see where else your jaw clenches and like what the theme is around you and your jaw clenching. <laughs> you know, <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> It does. It's like being a little scientist and figuring out the pattern. Yes, uh-huh. absolutely. And we're all doing this all day long, all day long. And so it's really just by having that awareness and expanding that awareness and then trusting it and being honest with yourself about what is happening in your environment, because there can be some mismatch, right? Because your brain could tell you, oh, this is someone who I like or someone who likes me or cares for me, or whatever the case may be. So I shouldn't be responding this way to someone who I know cares for me. But if your body is telling you, then you should pay attention to that because what your brain is telling you and what your body is telling you are two different things. And then you will, you know, going on that exploration. Yeah. That is a powerful moment to recognize that because you could be doing it, let's say, your whole life. You know, it's with someone who you've known as a child. Yep. And every time they go to hug you, you kind of like, like this, yep. you kind of like, what did I just do? I'm trying to like verbally describe. I like shrunk <laughs> and I closed off my heart and I shrunk my whole torso. Yep. And you're like, ha, 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 and you like hug with your shoulder with them. Yeah. Like that is something you could be doing your yep. whole life and then go, oh, I'm I doing that. Attention to what? Yeah. Why am I doing that? And where else am I doing that, right? And 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 what is that language between my body and myself, you know, that that I'm starting to learn, so that when it happens in other scenarios, you can you can have something to relate it to, you know. So it's really a beautiful way to get to know yourself, you know, and it's a new way to get to know yourself, and it's all about what's happening in your inner world. So these aren't 
things you ever have to share with anyone if you don't want to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And is there some type of practice, i.e. yoga or something else (laughs) that kind of helps you Mm. actually tune into your body? Because, you know, nowadays we're going and we're doing and we're not tuned in at all to slowing down in our bodies. I mean, I think there are tons of things that people can do and some things people are already doing. All the typical things you hear people talk about, meditation and journaling and, you know, getting good rest. The key is to make sure you're doing those things because there's enough information out there about how to relax and de-stress and open up so that we can receive more, you know, and and in this context is receiving more of ourselves, you know. So doing all those things that you read about, that all the experts talk about, but really making sure that you do them and building building that into your daily practice, because it's incredible how it expands, you know, once you use it in this particular context around like getting to know yourself in in a new way. Yeah. I mean, I like the word spiritual hygiene. You know, we brush our teeth, we take a shower. Why are we not actually like taking care of our auric field, our body, our our soul's hygiene. It's so important. Absolutely. It's so important. And, you know, it's really essentially anything that feels good to you because I don't always think about it as having to be spiritual practices. Mm -hmm. You don't always have to be praying and, you know, doing some ritual and talking to a shaman or, you know. It could just be enjoying a really delicious latte on your sofa with a blanket and maybe a good TV show. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. It's whatever like gives you that warm and cozy feeling, whatever feels good to you. So it's going to look different for all of us, you know, but it's important that people know it's also really practical things and just making sure that you're loving on yourself in those ways, you know, in a consistent manner. Mm, I love that. Practical. Doesn't have to always be so shamanic and spiritual. (laughs) Yes. Even though I love those things. I love those things. Yeah. There's a time and place for those, but there's also yeah. a time and place just to be, right? Yes. That being versus doing. And I think that idea that these things have to be spiritual can really be um, a barrier for some people because they'll think it can only happen in this kind of environment or only when, you know, I'm doing A, B, C, and D. But no, it can happen when you are in the bathroom. <laughs> it can happen yeah. when you're in your car, when you are, you know, in your kitchen, like at work, whenever you choose for it to happen, you know, and that's why this this new kind of expanded awareness of self is really lovely because it's something that you control 100% because it lives inside of you. That's it. And I think that energy needs to come out more and more and it will because that is the incarnation cross theme in 2027. It's building up to like the collective's awareness of the rise of the sleeping phoenix. And it is that individual, my power is within me. Oh, you're just, you're, I'm learning new information. Thank you. I didn't, <laughs> I don't know this about 2027. <laughs> it's a human design theme, there's this particular thing in human design about the incarnation cross. We all specifically have an incarnation cross in our charts. It's considered like a life theme. So it's like a major energy theme around yourself, an area of growth, but also just like a innate theme. Wow. And just like astrology, the planets move around. The the incarnation crosses change as the time goes. That's how it stamps onto somebody's birth chart is when you're born then, that's when that incarnation was. And so that's the next one coming up. I think 
That I'd is... have to look into it. I think the incarnation cross cycles are like eight to 10 years or something like that. So yeah. I'm going to look that up when we're done. Coming in 2027. Exactly. Yeah. So cool. I think it's really going to be a beautiful time and probably a lot more work for us who are spreading the light to continue yeah. to help people. They're going to be awakening more to their power within them and rising oh, and going, what is this? <laughs> yes. I love that so much because I'm typically a bit of a hermit, you know? I mean, I'm a Virgo sun even, right? Me and too. it's so true. Oh, nice. <laughs> and it's so true for me. And so, you know, these things that I'm sharing more recently, I feel like I've, my spirit's been telling me like, this is a timing. It, it wasn't five years ago. It wasn't the time. Like, this is actually now the time for me to share. So that's why it's happening now. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. That's why you're getting book deals and everything's yeah. aligning for this yeah. to serve and help others. Yeah. In preparation for the time. Yeah. It's really interesting. And and I, I'm really well aware too that this is like my life's purpose. You know, the way I process my trauma, I think of it as an offering, you know, in a sense. And so without the trauma, I don't know if I would have gotten to all these places in myself, you know, that got me here. You know, as a kid, I was highly intuitive, but who knows where that would have, you know, who knows, right? Where that would yeah. have. Um, yeah, I really, I really think that sharing this information that I have to share is really like my life's work. Mm, that's beautiful. And that is a lot of our, I can relate. I did not want to talk about narcissism. That was the last thing I wanted to do. I don't want to talk about this dude all over, over and over and again, and this behavior, but it is a service. You're right. It is an offering and it does help those who are in the muck, in the thick of it to help yeah. pull them out of the quicksand. Yes, so. absolutely. And I think of people who experience trauma as really more able, more positioned to get to these places, you know, than people who don't experience trauma because our life has literally called us to, you know? And so, yeah, yeah I think I think of trauma survivors as really just really gifted in that way. If 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 they have the ability to shift their view of their trauma, you know, and really be mm -hmm. empowered by understanding how the overcoming of it, all the gifts, all the beauty and the overcoming of it, it's like you learn your superpower when you do that, you know? Exactly. There's so much superpower. I mean, that's, that is our strength is being able to survive the trauma. Yes. Learn the lessons through it and then help others. That is the yes. superpower. And you don't have to help others like we are helping others. You can literally just help your children yeah. or your friends. Yeah. Or just yourself. Because a lot of us, some of us have interpersonal themes and then others have personal themes where it's just for you. It's your absolutely. personal journey. Yes, absolutely. I totally agree. I love that. And I love that you're a Virgo. <laughs> I know. <laughs> for uh, being here, Virgo. And we're in the Virgo club. Anyone else listening? <laughs> Although everyone who's listening, you have Virgo somewhere in your chart. So you're not out of the Virgo club. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. <laughs> So I view the non-physical as the soul self. Do you view mm -hmm. that as well? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which was like our mind-bending thought process of like our soul self goes into a body that is connected with like talents that's passed down through bloodlines. Like Yes, yes. Yeah. But I think of spirit and soul as two different things. Do you? Okay. Spirit and soul. Oh, I mean, I haven't thought about it that way. But yeah. we, yeah, we like the soul goes in the body. And so you're thinking the spirit has its own consciousness because it's in the body versus being disconnected yeah. as the soul. Yeah. Oh, 
I like that. I yeah, haven't thought always, about it that way. Yeah. Tell I've us more. Of, I've always thought about mind, body, soul, and spirit, you know? And I typically okay. think about the soul as being things that acclimate us to earth and to mm-hmm. our earthly experiences, past lives and otherwise, you know? Mm-hmm. And the soul, I mean, the spirit being the place that the part of us that, you know, is for, is eternally connected to what is not earthly. Whatever you, whatever you think that is. Right? <laughs> Wherever that is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. To the divine. I'll say to the divine, to the everlasting, like, energy of the Source, divine, energy, source love. Energy. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And that's, like, the bridge between the two. Which one? The, the spirit is the bridge between the soul and the body. Yeah, yeah. Or, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, because the spirit connects to that that mm-hmm. source energy and the soul connects to like earthly experiences that are non-physical. If that, if that makes sense. That's how I came to understand it. Yeah. Because the things that my soul experiences that my spirit doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, and vice versa. Yeah. Mind bending. Yes, it is. <laughs> and like, so the soul is like the um, carrier of all the memories. Yeah. And the spirit is the consciousness from the other realm in the body. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. When I was processing my healing journey, like I ended up writing a memoir, which is, I don't know when that's going to come out, but that's how I, as I was writing, I was like, oh, like that's how it, that's how it came to me while I was writing that. Yes. I 100%. Yeah. Can see that. Yeah. Sometimes it takes that writing out to really get that clear inspiration. Absolutely. So what if we are disconnected? Like what if someone feels a bit desperate? Like, I don't know, like I'm disconnected from my spirit and soul because I'm in such a dark fog from all this manipulation and chaos in my life. How do you connect your physical like revive your spirit and connect yes. to the soul. Yes, yes. Well, the spirit never needs reviving. It's always good, right? It um, just needs the lid lifted off. Yeah, yeah. It just needs your awareness of it, you know, mm-hmm. really. Just acknowledging that this, there's a part of you that is always good, you know, and you can always tap into that part of you. I mean, there's so many things. I think I like to share a mattress practice that I <laughs> that really works well. Okay. And, it's really, this is something, you know, all of us can do. And it's really helps you to feel that energy of your non-physical self more so that you can acknowledge it. And so, you know, when you're in bed, before you go to sleep, just to lay on your back and allow like your muscles to sink completely into the mattress so that you're aware that the mattress is holding you up, you know? Mm-hmm. And when you get into that space, you'll be able to feel your non-physical self, you know, because I think for so many people, it's important to like know it's there in a way that is a little more tangible, and so that, like, that's an exercise that you can do where you will lit, you'll feel it. You'll feel it. You may feel it over your chest or over your arm or over your legs or your feet. It could be anywhere, but you will feel that, that presence, you know? And then once you really, and that's a good way to connect with it, you know? And then you really, once you know what that feels like, then you can look for that feeling in more things because it kind of like muscle memory it, you know? And then you can get to the point where you're able to call on that feeling whenever you want to. So it's not something that you're, you know, you're you're doing by happenstance or after a good yoga practice and you're in Shavasana, like that's what that feeling is in Shavasana. It's that, yeah, it's you, it's that. you're feeling you, you know? <laughs> um, so yeah, I think of I think of, you know, really starting to know what it feels like to, to, 
what your non-physical self feels like and then allowing yourself to expand that as much as you can. Hmm. Do you think that that's something that you could grow a muscle to the point where you could call upon it in a like triggering moment or a difficult moment where you're like fight or flight, freeze? Like, can you? I absolutely do. And I have a personal experience with that connected to my, my trauma. So, and again, writing in the book, I realized that, you know, when it was happening to me, I felt like I was leaving my body. You know, even though I was very aware that I was in my body, but I had the feeling of leaving my body. Like I felt like otherworldly. And I think the way I write about it in that book is I felt like like angels and guides were with me, you know, because I was with that other part of me while my body was having this other experience. Like I was like some part of me was somewhere else, you know. Mm-hmm. So yes, I definitely think you can call on it. I didn't call on it until like that happened by happenstance, you know, but that's an example, you know, uh, so I know it's possible. I know it's yeah. possible. Yeah. I call on it. Yeah. And it might do that. You're right. That's, that's happening to protect you. Absolutely. Mm. And, you know, I think in general, and I, I've learned this too from my experience because I used to kind of only feel certain things in certain environments, you know, because that's how I was programmed to think I could only have that experience if these things were happening. And so I remember when I started making a point to like, oh no, I'm going to talk to my guides and do all the things just like I'm talking to you right now, right? Like when I am, you know, fully present and in the middle of the day, you know, engaging those energies, like I engage anything else. And so the more frequent that we, we engage those energies, the more frequent, we will feel them and we will have access to them, you know, but we tend to think they're only accessible at certain times or when we're doing certain things, but no, it's accessible literally anytime you want it to be, anytime you want it to be. They're so always it's like a mental thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that too. Yeah. Cause the mental awareness versus mm-hmm. like, and I've been thinking about that. I'm like, I really need to connect with my healed ancestor. And it's like this thing I keep putting off. But you just said that and I was like, well, I could just talk to them like right after this call. I'd be like, Absolutely. hey, thanks so much for being here with me and not have to like make this whole ceremony about it. Absolutely. And yeah. that's a really powerful practice because it brings it more into our 3D reality in a way that like other things are in our 3D reality that we know are so real for us. So it makes it more tangible and more real when we can bring it into like our 3D reality in those kind of practical ways, not just like we were saying earlier with the shaman and, you know, <laughs> you've done ayahuasca or whatever it's happening. Right. It does not have to be so disconnected. And maybe that's why you were saying, don't think of it as being so spiritual because people feel like there's a barrier to that, like yes. rituals and yes. like making time to meditate, like that you're only spiritual when you do that. But exactly. You can be spiritual all day long. You're spiritual first. <laughs> first. So it's, like I said, it's that mental, like, little click that has to happen, you know? And it's such a powerful click because it really shifts your perception of everything, mm-hmm. of everything. And which brings a lot more comfort, you know, and like feelings of safety and allows us to be more receptive and get clarity and like supports us in taking action around the things we need to take action around. Mm, gives us more bravery, more power. So we're like, oh, yeah, we got this. We're, I'm spirit first. This body yes. is just a vessel. Like, yes. all right, life school 101, here we go. <laughs> yes. It's probably like life school version 1375.1, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> yes, exactly. If we are empaths. You know, the highly sensitive, I feel like, do you think this is true? Like, are we older souls or is that just a funny other la- label too? I mean, I'm ancient. So, so yes. I agree with you there too. Me too. I can really. Yes. I mean, I think, I think that's the nature of people who are highly sensitive. You know, I think it's definitely an indication of experience, you know, and where that experience comes from. I mean, it has to be previous lives, which would make us older and ancient souls, you know? Yeah. We've, we've had so much experience. Yes. That's how I think about it. One other question, this might be totally off topic, but when we talk about ancient souls, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking of a particular listener, she's mentioning that hmm. somebody in her life, he's linked to another past life she's heard. And sometimes it's hard for me to like, is that person getting accurate information? Mm-hmm. But if we believe it, then it's, I guess it helps us, right? Mm-hmm. That this person is linked to another past life. Like there are ill-intended souls or people that have been in our lives multiple lives mm-hmm. and you know specifically talk about narcissists sometimes those who are in our lives who are just not letting us go and they're narcissists mm-hmm. are those type of souls any wisdom or advice about being able to like cut cords or disconnect from mm. an ill-intended karmic yeah stop chasing me in this next yeah. lifetime soul well, a couple of thoughts come up around that. So the first thing is that, you know, I'm I'm of the belief that we are in full control of our selves, you know, on all the levels and dimensions, right? Yeah. And just, you know, just because that's that's how I process my life, like it 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 doesn't yeah, that's how my life has served me well, right? With that but with that knowing. And so from that perspective, it's really about empowering yourself and knowing who you are so that you can create the experience that you want for yourself. Does that answer your question? I think so. Like knowing the knowledge that this person's been chasing you from lifetimes after lifetimes, it can be empowering, but also it could be like, well, but they're always going to chase me. Like, so like you said, it's like the power within you mm-hmm. and your mindset. It's like, well, they're not going to anymore. Mm-hmm. If they did or not in the past, whatever it is, like, it's done, right? And I feel like the power of our intentions and our mindset mm-hmm. and our energy can cut that. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, there's so many dimensions, right? And we can choose what dimension we want to exist in mm-hmm. and how we want to navigate ourselves in that dimension. And so, you know, we we are so much more powerful than we know, even with all, even with all that we know, you know, spiritually and intellectually and philosophically, you know, we're still so much more powerful than all of that. And so that's what I mean when I said like knowing who you are, because it's really about claiming whatever it is that you choose to experience mm-hmm. and really having no doubt around that. Perfect. Which is a lot of work. It is a lot of work. And I feel like it can be as simple as owning that, like. I am magic. I am powerful. Yes. And if you truly believe and own it, then not to say it's, it's easy. It's just now you have that. Now you have that power battery pack. Yes, absolutely. Because everything in our outer world reflects what's happening on the inside. And so we can, you know, it all happens there, you know, that's how I, how I process it. So once you get all of that together, you know, then it will mm-hmm. it will show up to you in your outer world. You will draw that because that's now the energy that you're aligned with. That's now the vibration, the frequency, the dimension 
that you are now aligned with. And so your outer world will have no choice but to show you that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you will repel those empires. <laughs> yes, you will repel them. Yes. Yes. They won't even have access to you. They won't even have access to you. Mm -hmm. That is powerful and beautiful. Yeah. I think we should end there. Let's mic drop that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> right there for them. That's a really big takeaway. I know it It sounds big, like whatever, but it really is in the power of your mind and your beliefs and yes. how we set our intentions. Yes. Intuitively, right? Going, going back to the intuition, intuitively, you know, like, so stop questioning because the people around you say it's hogwash. Yes. You know, you know, and you believe it. That's all that matters. It only matters what you think. It only, only matters what you think. Never matters what somebody else thinks. That's it. That yeah. is the summary of our lives. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the summary of my life lessons. <laughs> I had to learn all this. So <laughs> I know it's not easy. Yes. Yes. So take it from us. As the sooner you stop giving a crap, the sooner you have more power and access to your power. Yeah. Hmm. Thank you so much for being here, Ebony. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for having me. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Tell us about your book that's up and yeah. coming. Yes. So I recently signed my first book deal. I'm very excited. And it's a book called The Intuitive Nudge, Eight Steps to Trust Your Gut, Rely on Yourself, and Create a Joyful Life. But it won't be out until 2025. So it's the early part of 2025, like January mm -hmm. to March of 2025. Okay. But my Instagram is really the best way to find me, which is at intuitive ebony, E-B-O-N-I, writes. And I give all kinds of tips. It's some pretty high level stuff on there. Good. Oh, well, thank you so, so much um, for coming on and being here. Thank you so much. All right, everyone. Until next time, keep your unique light shining. Thank you so much for tuning in to the end of this podcast episode and being an empath member here in the community. If you want to grab a free copy of my new book, Empath's Guide to Rising Strong, a human design guidebook and a mini personalized human design reading, click the link in the description. Be sure to listen to the Empath and Narcissist Audible book, or you can grab your paperback on Amazon. It is a profound exploration of my journey and healing, providing you with tools for healing as well. The link is in the show notes.